I want to start by reading uh, verse 1 of Genesis chapter 16. It says this, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Let me just give you a little bit of history as we go into this chapter this morning. Abram would later become Abraham. So at some point during the sermon, I call him Abraham. It's because his name would be extended, changed by God to Abraham. But at this point, he's called Abram. And he is given a promise to God. Now, you have to know in Genesis chapter 16, he was already given a promise by God that he would be the father of many nations. In fact, the promise from God was that his descendants would be more numerous than the sands of the sea, than the stars of the sky. Now, you have to know that at this point in his life, Abram is either 85 or 86 years old. The promise that he was given came 10 years earlier. So right about 10 or 11 years, God had promised him that he would have a son, that he would be an heir to many descendants, that he was going to be the father of many nations. So over a decade has gone by. Now, how many of you know a lot of things can happen in a decade, right? A lot of changes take place in a decade. Some of you with your hairstyles and your clothes, you haven't noticed, but time marches on and things change. I'm just throwing that out there for some of you this morning, but... So, so a decade goes by. <laughs> uh, now, it's interesting in my life because I was born in 1970, so every decade that goes by means that I'm a whole nother decade older. older. Ten years is a long time. In ten years, Abram was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and Sarah was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and Many times, especially after 10 years, we can get very impatient. And all of a sudden, we could take matters into our own hands. And that's exactly what took place. Sarah became impatient. She, she no longer would wait for the promise of God. She, she decided that, that God's timing was not good enough. So she thought, okay, I have an idea. And the idea was is that since I'm unable to have children... I'm going to allow Abram to, to have my maid. And he can go in with her and, and, and she can become pregnant and, and then, then we'll just, we're going to work this thing out, man. We're going we're gonna to push the door down instead of waiting for God to open the door. Has anybody ever grown impatient? Am I the only person, am I the only impatient person in the room? Come on now, I've seen the way some of you drive. So I know... I know that we have some impatience. You know, it's easy to do. It's easy to get impatient. And so she made this choice. Now, the choice that she made was a cultural choice that, that doesn't exist today, you know. And it certainly wouldn't exist in the Rosenbarger household. I'm just saying that, okay, just for some of you, just so you know. And so this choice was made. And, and back then in the ancient world, it was not that much of an abnormal choice, but it still was a, listen to me, it was still a poor choice. It was still a great mistake. And so all of a sudden, 
Hagar, the Egyptian maid, becomes pregnant. And then the Bible goes on to say that she looked upon Sarah, listen to this, with contempt. She looked upon Sarah as if now her and Sarah maybe were on equal terms or even maybe Hagar thought, I guess I'm better than her. Because after all, now I'm carrying Abram's seed. I was able to do something that Sarah wasn't. So instead of being the servant, now she's kind of elevated herself a little bit. And there's tension between two women. Shocking. (laughs) And Sarah notices it. Sarah says, you know, I don't really care for the way she's looking at me. And Abram says, I haven't seen anything. No, 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 you need to know. She's not... She's looking at me with a little bit of a crooked eye now. See, women can kind of notice when another woman looks at her a little differently. Come on, ladies. You know what I'm talking about. You notice that that look just isn't right. There's something about that look, right? And all of a sudden, there's a mess. And then Sarah goes back. She blames Abraham, Abram for the mistake. That's true. You need to read it. It's right in there. She actually says, look, this whole thing's your fault. And there's a big mess. And let me tell you, it's a big family mess. And there is no mess like a family mess. Come on now. I said there's no mess like a family mess. And there's no mess like the one you created yourself. Did you hear me now? I said there's no problem, there's no mess, quite like the one you created yourself. You know, sometimes we can handle what other people do. We can handle the problems on the job. We can handle the problems with a neighbor or coworker or different things. We can handle those things because those are things that other people created. But when you created it yourself, how many of you know it's difficult sometimes to be able to handle it? It is not easy to stand at the bow of the ship and rebuke the wind and the waves when you're the one who authored the storm. Amen? And sometimes it just takes, you know, uh, this, this faith that maybe you don't have because you were the one that created the mess in the first place. And there's a big mess. Let me tell you, this is a big daytime soap opera talk show. Maury Povich, Abram, you are the father. I mean, it is a big, giant mess. And so what do we do about it? Well, Abram gives word back to Sarah and says, Well, listen, she's your maidservant. If she's looking upon you with contempt, you deal with her. And the Bible says that Sarah began to deal harshly with her. And that word in the Hebrews actually means she began to push her down. She began to push her down. Has anybody ever felt like somebody's pushed them down? Somebody is pushing me down. This is a big mess, and I know that I'm in the middle of it, and I know I created it, so I've got to do something about it. So Sarah began to push her back down dealt harshly with her. And Hagar, whose name in the Hebrew actually means flight, she took off. 
She said, I'm out of here. Now, here she is. You have to understand the culture in which they were living, the time in which they were living, pregnant with a child, she goes on the run. She leaves. No way to support herself. No way. There is no welfare. There are no food stamps. There's no way. There's nowhere she could go. There's no other family members. Here she is finding herself pregnant. And her only recourse, she thinks, is to take off. And that's exactly what she did. Sarah despised her, and she just took off. Now look at verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 and 8 says this, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. The word Shur means wall. So the angel of the Lord found her up against the wall. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Listen to this. The angel of the Lord, it's the first time an angel appears in the, in the Bible. And the angel of the Lord appeared and said to Sarah these two questions. Where have you come from? And where are you going? Where have you come from and where are you going? How many of you know God knew the answer to those questions already? How many of you know every question God ever asks us, he already knows the answer? Why does he even ask questions? So that we can know the answer? So that we can own up to what we're doing? Huh? When we're in hiding, when we're, when we're acting in ways we shouldn't act, sometimes he'll come to us and he'll just say, Huh, what are you doing? So that we can come face to face with the reality of our situation. And so God says to this pregnant woman who's been dealt a, a, a harsh blow. Listen, she didn't ask for any of this. She wasn't her idea to go in with Abram. It was all Sarah's idea. And so she's like, I have found myself now on the run, pregnant with a child. No way to support myself. No way to feed myself, much less my baby. I guess we're both going to die. And it's all Sarah's fault. And here I I am just on the run and she doesn't know where she's going or what she's doing but she answers one of those questions she knows where she's been the angel says to her where have you come from and where are you going and how many of you know sometimes in life you only know what happened yesterday you've got no answers for tomorrow has anybody been there has anybody ever, ever said, listen, I, I, I can't even fathom what's going to happen tomorrow. I have no idea how the situation is going to turn out. I have no idea what's going to happen in my marriage. I, I've been diagnosed with an illness. I don't know what's going to happen. I've got, I, I've got no answers. All I know is what happened yesterday. All I know is the past. And so she says, I've come from my mistress, Sarah, and that's all I know all I got. I got nothing else, God. I got nothing. I got no other answers. I don't have a clue where I'm going. Has anybody been there? Has anybody ever thought to themselves, I don't know how this thing's going to work out. I don't have one answer. 
I don't know tomorrow, much less next week, much less next month, much less next year. I mean, I'm in the middle of it now. All I know is the past. All I've got to revert to is the past. All I could figure out is the past. That's the only answer I got. Listen, don't ask me any questions about tomorrow. Only ask me questions about yesterday. Because yesterday's all I got. But listen, if yesterday's all you got, I want you to know that God is still the author of tomorrow. Can somebody say amen? God still has a plan, and God still has a purpose for your life, and God still has your life mapped out. Hallelujah. And so God shows up in Hagar's life. And we've been talking about these hey you moments, and this is one of them. This is one of those hey you moments where the angel of the Lord actually calls her by name and says, Hagar, where have you been? Where are you going? In her desperation, in her her pain, in her anguish, She says, I have no idea. I don't know my next move. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Now look at verse 9 and 10. It says, Then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they will not be counted for multitude." In other words, I'm going to multiply the seed that is in your life. The child that is inside of your womb will not die. That's in essence what she's saying. Now listen, you have to bring it back to the ancient world. You have to bring it back to where they are. Because she has no way of providing for herself, much less her child. And in in Hagar's world, she's going to leave that child to die. And then she's going to go die herself. There is no other answer. There There is no other choice. There's no plan B. There's nothing she could fall back on. There's no second career. You see what I'm saying? She's absolutely all alone without hope. And the angel says to her, the child won't die. Hallelujah. The seed won't die. That thing that's inside of you will not die. In fact, I'm going to multiply it, and then I'm going to multiply it some more, and then I'm going to build on it, and I'm going to multiply it some more so that you're going to give birth to a great nation, so that you're going to give birth to multitude upon multitude. I'll take care of him. I will feed him. I'll watch over him. I have a plan for him, and I have a plan for you. Amen? See, every week during this series, we've been talking about these hey you moments. And every time God gets somebody's attention and says hey you, it's because God wants to just let us know that he has a purpose for our life. And here's Hagar, man. She's at the point of dying. She's at the end of herself. Yet she receives this incredible promise from God. Verse 13 says this. Look at verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Listen now. She called God 
Listen to this. She called him. She called God. You're the God who sees me. Hallelujah. My five-year-old son, Elias, he has this, let's just say, awesome way of grabbing your face when he wants to talk to you. It's such a blessing. I just love it so much. That when he's talking to you, he'll just reach up, grab your chin, and he'll turn it right towards you. Listen why. Listen why. Because in his mind, if you can't see him, you can't hear him. Do you hear me now? And I just love it so much when he grabs your face and turns it towards him. I just, I love that. All right, so I say to him, I can hear you. You don't need to touch my face and turn my head. I hear you all the time. But not in his world. In his world, if you can't see him, if you're not looking him in the eyes, it's as if you can't hear him. Now God said to Hagar, you're going to have a son, listen to this, and you're going to call that boy Ishmael. Ishmael means the God who hears. But she calls God the God who sees me. So that in one chapter, we understand God not only hears us, he also sees us. Because sometimes you just have to see it. Do you hear me now? Some things you just have to see. Have you ever said that to anybody? No, you know, you've got to see this for yourself. And if you think there's a God in heaven who only listens, if you think that God is only a, a pair of ears, if you think that God is only listening from a distance, from another room, from another distant spot, I'm here to tell you that God not only hears you, he sees you. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 3, it says this, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch over the evil and the good. The eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch over the evil and the good. And Hagar's on the run. The Bible never says she prayed a prayer. Come on now. The Bible doesn't say she called on the name of the Lord. She never offered a sacrifice. Now, maybe she did. Maybe in her desperation, she just, she absolutely cried out to God, but it's not recorded in the scripture. But God saw everything that was going on in her life. And God came down because when he sees, he moves. The Bible says Jesus looked at the crowd and was moved with compassion. 
And if you're here today and you think that you've not been noticed or whatever it is going on in your life, God, you know, doesn't, doesn't care because he doesn't see, I'm here to tell you that God has seen everything you've ever gone through. He knows exactly what you're going through now. God's eyes are not so distant. His eyes are not somewhere else. You don't have to get up there and try to manipulate his head and try to turn it towards you. His eyes are already on you. They're already focused on you. You have all of heaven's attention today. He is watching over you. And if you're here and you're like Hagar and you say, I only know the past, I don't know the future, let me tell you, God sees, God cares. But listen to this. This is powerful because she actually says, you're the God who sees me. But if you go into the Amplified, classic version of the Amplified, listen to it. It's powerful. I'll put it on the screen for you. And the Amplified scholars and theologians have taken words and they've expounded, they've amplified them. That's why it's called the Amplified Version, to show their true meaning. So listen to Genesis chapter 16, verse number 13 in the Amplified Classic Version. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Have I not even here in the wilderness looked upon him who sees me and lived? Or have I here also seen, listen to this, the future purposes and designs of him who sees me. I've seen him. Listen to this. Here's what she's saying. Not only have I seen him, I've seen his purpose for my life. I have seen the purpose of God for myself, for the seed, the child that's on the inside of me. See, God has his eyes on you. And he doesn't want to just barely get you through this mess. He doesn't want you to just barely survive. He doesn't want you to just think about his goodness or, or somehow recall a day, a year, a month, a, a long time ago when he came through for you. He wants you to know that there is a future, there is a purpose beyond the pain, beyond the hurt, beyond the heartache, that God has your tomorrow in the little palm of his hand, that he is watching over you, that he has a purpose for your life. He sees you, yeah, and he has a purpose for you. And Haggai is on the run with no answers, and all of a sudden the answer comes, and the answer isn't just about her. It's about what's on the inside of her. God has a future for me. God came down. Not only did I hear his voice, I saw that he sees me. He sees what I've gone through. He saw how I was mistreated. He saw the tears that were in my eyes. He saw the hurt. He saw the pain. He saw those sleepless nights. He saw when I was tossing and turning, trying to figure out how I was going to get it to work. He saw how, how I was sitting here wondering how the bills are going to get paid, how the marriage was going to work, how the kids are going to come back home, how the pain's going to begin to dissipate. He saw all of it, how I was worried and fret and struggling, and he saw it all. And he came down and he said to me, it's going to be okay. You're not just going to barely survive. I'm going to turn this whole thing around. So this won't be just one child that's inside of you. There will be a whole multitude upon multitudes. Amen. 
that there's a future and there's a purpose for your life. I'm going to ask you to do this today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Let me ask you this today. What are you going through right now? 